I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, this weekly podcast produced by Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, CURE, aims to inspire hope and offer resources to the epilepsy community. Today, we're joined by Eva and Michelle Wadzinski to talk about how to flourish in college as a student with epilepsy. Eva has accomplished a lot in her life. She is a psychology major at DePaul University, on the Junior Associates Board for the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago, and volunteered at the Child Life Program at Lurie Children's Hospital. Prior to her collegiate career, she was a professional model and actress in Los Angeles and Chicago. She is here today with her mother, Michelle, who is a community outreach educator for the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago and a member of the ParentWise support team at Lurie Children's Hospital. Eva, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on to chat with us today. We met briefly at an event I don't, probably a year or so ago, and I've just been so excited to finally be able to chat about your journey and your experiences. Mm -hmm. um, Eva, tell us a little bit about yourself and how epilepsy entered your life. Uh, I was diagnosed at 13 years old and just getting ready to be a freshman in high school which didn't really happen, <laughs> but uh, then fully I've had to transfer for three high schools just because of accommodations and I was uh, having to miss class a lot. And then I just started at DePaul University to major in psychology and one day get to my doctorate for clinical psychology. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, so do you know what is causing your seizures? Uh, we don't know yet. We're getting genetic testing done soon, uh, but it hasn't come from relatives or from an accident. It just appeared. Yeah. And what kind of seizures do you have? Eight different kinds, and so, um, which are myoclonic, partial seizures, um, seizures of awareness that I can kind of tell that I'm having, uh, also gelastic seizures, dileptic seizures. There's so, a lot. You, know, the, you run the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> you you like throw some variety in there. Yeah. And um, do you have seizure control? No, I do not have seizure control. I've never had seizure control. That's tough. Yes. <laughs> um, so she's diagnosed at 13, going into high school. And um, you know, what is going through your mind at this sort of critical juncture in her life? Well, when she was first diagnosed, I think there was a period of not accepting the diagnosis for me. Um, Having I had worked in mental health and um, some of the medications they were suggesting that she go on, I was familiar with. And the thought of my child having to be on those medications was overwhelming. And so there was a lack of acceptance. It took a few weeks and many tearful phone calls with the nurse at the um, epileptologist office. And so then finally accepted, she went on started taking her meds the first three months, um, wasn't having side effects and had seizure control. And I thought, oh, piece of cake, right. this is not a big deal. <laughs> and then the bottom fell out come fall. Um, she started having more and more seizures every single day. More and more meds were added on. And it was always hard to tell 
Is this the aftermath of the seizures? Is this the medication? Right. What exa- you know, what's causing this general sort of flatness and fogginess? Anyway, and um, it was a confusing time. I mean, she was home from school a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And so at that point where you're entering your freshman year and there's all those exciting things going on, she was, wasn't a part of those. And so and High school can be such a challenging time for anybody and you're walking into high school and, you know, and spending a lot of time at home. What was that experience like for you? That experience was very new for me because I had some seizure control and then it just like fell down. And uh, so I had to leave high school early and redo my freshman year. But since I wasn't in school a lot, many, many friends left and they were disappeared basically. She had to leave high school at the end of her sophomore year and switch to an online school mm. because uh, there were so many absences. And the, the, the community, the teacher community was super supportive, but there's only so much they can do. There's you know 30 other students in the class when you're gone for a week, two weeks, you know, every other month or every month, they can't go over everything with you and catch you up. So we made the decision that online would be best for her because she could learn everything she needed to learn to get what she needed on her kind of in her own on her own timeline. And when she finished high school, there was a big discussion at her epileptologist's office convincing her that she needed to take a year off to get seizure control before starting university. And Eva was really reluctant. <laughs> she was, I think so many things had been pushed back, so many things had been taken away that now the thought of spending a year dealing with, you know, seizure control. Yeah. Like, so did you take that year? Did you push I forward? did not. <laughs> well, went, she went part-time. Yeah, okay. I went part-time because I get bored very easily. And so I was like, I could not, uh, fathom being out of school for a year and then having to jump back into it. And I just have to imagine that that college application process was significantly different for you than for your peers. What was that like? Um, The application was very easy. We just had to talk about an essay, about hardships, and I was like, I have a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) Check, check. (laughs) And so I got in, and then I started four classes, and my grades kind of just fell down because of how many seizures I was having. I was also weaning off a medication and putting a new medication on. And this was not at DePaul. You started at Uh, Harold Washington City College. And I started in a community college because I didn't think I was at the health to go to a four-year university. And I also went through two brain surgeries in the process. Yeah, and so, uh, and then I started DePaul. I started with four classes. It was not working out well, so I went down to three, and it's been better. So at some point, Mm -hmm. you decided to, that you could make that change from the City College to a four-year university. What inspired that change? I always have the notion and the mentality to, like, if you want this hard enough, you'll be able to get it regardless Mm -hmm. of your disease. And so you kind of just have to push forward every day and you end up having to educate um, your professors, your classmates, your student of accommodations because no one seems to know what epilepsy is. Which is so, like leads perfectly into my next question is, you know, how 
What do you tell your professors and how do they respond? It differs. <laughs> we, have a, we have a letter that we've been giving to every teacher since, I don't know, freshman year. Oh, so and we've smart. modified it through, sure. but the same letter, go in, make the modifications, mm -hmm. print it out, give it to them, trust that they'll actually read it, you know, yeah. and then. Yeah, and then I'll have one professor is like, well, you were gone because, but for, I was gone because of seizures, but they think I just skipped class. And so right. then I have to go to my doctor, to my psychologist, to my student of accommodations to get everyone in to say like, no, this is not because I skipped classes because it's unsafe for me to be in class. And so that's tough when that yeah, happens. Yeah, well, and it's but... creating more stress for you yeah. in an already mm -hmm. stressful environment. I mean, college is hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that additional work has to be, has to be tough. Um, what do you tell your peers, your your the, your fellow students? Uh, I don't usually tell them because it's more of a personal thing, and sure. especially if I'm not close to them or they're friends of mine, then it's like I'm just gonna do. Yeah. But uh, I've had seizures during classes. And then it makes the professor more aware because I don't have tonoclonics unless I'm off of my medications. I have you know, all these other ones that may not be apparent, mm -hmm. but I had a seizure in my math class where my arm convulsed and it actually hit one of the girls. And she was like, are you okay? Like they thought I was probably on like some drug. <laughs> that I, Which is just yeah. so frustrating, but that's yeah. where the thought process goes because people are so uneducated about seizures. Yeah. People fear what they don't understand. You know, if you take the time to learn and understand, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think then they're more supportive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like teaching your siblings or your friends too. And because both my best friends, right when they found out I had epilepsy, they were like on Google looking it up, looking at my seizures. Yeah. Uh, and my siblings have done projects in the university about epilepsy. And if they say that epilepsy is a mental illness, and they're like, no, you're wrong to Good. the professor. Good. Yeah, and so they'll stand up for me and everyone else. And so you basically have to be the same to your professors yeah. and hope they look up. Well, you know, if you think of it before epilepsy touched your life, mm -hmm. how much did you know about epilepsy? Yeah. I knew. I, I knew the, the so tonic. Yeah, the what I saw on Grey's Anatomy. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, and, and, and me too. I didn't know anything about it. And so I try to remind myself, you know, unless there's a family member or a friend or, you know, that has it, it's, they don't understand. Yeah. And so first we try to go gently with education mm -hmm. and hopefully that resolves everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you talk about uh, student accommodations. What are some of the accommodations that you have requested from your schools? Uh, I have a longer time for tests. They give me extended time. I've had, I have one that if I have doctor appointments or medical appointments that I will get uh, passed for it. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. That, that, that's <laughs> so. not an official accommodation. That's something yeah. uh, that's not available through the accommodations department and we fought for it. Uh, to increase the awareness that if she's having a day where she's having 10, 15, 20 seizures in an hour, she needs to come home, take rescue medication, and that puts her out. Mm -hmm. She can't be in class 
And so, and then some of the epileptologist appointments where if you miss it, you just, you have to keep it because you course. might not get in for a little while yeah. and you just need to be there so that we've fought for that accommodation. But um, the extended time for tests is... It's very helpful because I might have seizures yeah. during classes and it takes me 10 to 15 minutes to be aware. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's very helpful in those situations. I'll have classes where I have seizures and then I can't really get back to the lecture right away. And so then you lose that 15 minutes of class. And so what are you going to do? Like asking right. them to repeat all this stuff. Right. right. Yeah. And then I have um, short-term memory loss sometimes. And sometimes I don't retain everything. So I always have like loads of notes written out so I can remember it. Yeah. Are there specific things that you would uh, recommend to schools, different ways that they can better accommodate students with epilepsy? Yeah, one thing that I try to give people more information that are around my age or going to high school or going to college, that they don't give you a menu of how many student accommodations you can get. So you have no idea of what's out there for you and you have no idea if it's actually going to apply to your uh, disease, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so I think that's not okay because what if this one's gonna very much help you but they're not gonna like say like, oh, you can have this or you cannot have this. Right, to even or, know what the possibilities yeah. are, what you can mm -hmm. even ask for. Yeah. Well, and it's a law that students are protected through primary and secondary school. That law does not extend to college students. That is at the decision of the university and the instructors. And so um, if you're, if you're, the university has a good center for students with disabilities and somebody's really, who's ever in charge of it is really passionate and deeply connected, mm -hmm. then you have a good advocate. And we've had an experience where the person, we've had an, an amazing experience, like what she has presently. Mm -hmm. And we've had an experience where I don't even know why that person was in that department mm -hmm. because they, the fit was really bad. Mm -hmm. um, but you, it's still, you know, you're still at their mercy in many yeah. cases. It's not, the law does not protect you at university level does not protect students with disabilities. I have no idea. Yeah, That's... I know. It was shocking to me, too, when she started down this road at university, and I all of a sudden learned that the same protections are there. Aside from, I'm there. sure, like the ADA yeah. protects. But, but as far as, you know, educational an... things, um, yeah. Wow. And so it's, it's an individual experience at each individual learning institution. Huh. So going on this journey, you know, through high school, going to college, now being in college, what tips, what recommendations, what advice do you have for you know, teenagers who are walking the same path as you? Um, I would connect with people who are already in school who have epilepsy because they're able to give you a lot more tips and you have an advocate for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just research a lot about your university because some have good student accommodations, some have horrible ones. And so you really have to look further than a person that doesn't have a disability. And so it's, it needs to be part of your yeah. your college selection, yeah. you know, not just who has the prettiest campus and the best food, <laughs> yeah. but you're, you're really looking at, you know, that's a major 
yeah. decision factor. And then a lot of times if you have epilepsy or any other disease, your doctors are in one place. And so for me, I had to find a university in Chicago or in Illinois because I didn't want to change and restate my story every single time. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I would just give them that realization that it may not work for you, but you also have to at the same time. So, you know, you can still get out there. You can still mm -hmm. get that college degree, but yeah. you also have to respect your limitations. Yeah. Always go back to your student accommodations and update them of what's going on. Um, and because then they can change things for you because it's an ever-changing disease. And so I think just being resilient about going to these people, going to your professors, because then they'll start understanding a bit more. Coming, you know, so it all boils back to communication. And um, then also, I think people need to be aware that you're not gonna get judged if you have to do five years of high school instead, if you have to take limited classes each quarter mm -hmm. semester. And it's more normal to have, to be in school for five years. Like no one's gonna at go university. at university. Yeah. And uh, people aren't gonna judge you for it because it's high or college. Like no one really cares no that you've been. No one is looking at your, your re when you're applying to jobs, mm -hmm. no one is looking at your resume being like, yeah. oh, it took you seven years <laughs> to graduate. Yeah. Like, no one they is paying are. attention to that. If they are, I kind of think if you bring up why, yeah. you'll get major points for tenacity, yeah. right? And with her situation, I think depending upon whether or not your seizures are controlled, mm -hmm has a big impact on your overall energy level and your ability to just juggle things. Mm -hmm. And so since she doesn't have seizure control, um, like between classes, school, uh, you know, going to class, doing your, your studies, that's kind of taps her out with her energy level there. And mm -hmm. so living at home has been good. Mm -hmm. At least I think it has been because um, I handle the minutia of life. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. The food, the laundry, the this, the that. Right. So, Because my thought is, I know she's got so much on her plate. I'm just going to take care of everything else that I can so she can use the energy she has on that. Yeah. I have three classes a day and I make my schedule a certain way just so I have time if my epilepsy goes awry. Mm -hmm. And so all three classes and they're right when I get home, I'm asleep at not eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not just the physical, the emotional can be exhausting too. And so some, you know, yeah, I, rest is a good thing. Yes. The bed is a good place. Absolutely, absolutely. I would have it's them a definitely nest. get a psychologist. Yeah. No, if, somebody's... A bit, if somebody's having emotional times with going through school or just in life in general, to have a psychologist by your side too. I am too. a huge proponent of mental health. I think it really, especially with... Um, with a disease that's so stigmatized and, and really disrupts your life so much, I really do think that those two pieces have to go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, trying to reach out um, to other students, um, finding other students who have epilepsy. Um, is there a place where you recommend trying to find? Uh, 
I would go to the Epilepsy Foundation because they have of Greater Chicago uh, because they have support groups with teens and with kids that are in college too. And you're also very um, vocal about your epilepsy on social media. So I imagine yeah. that's probably another yeah. place where you can find, which I think is incredible how open you are and how brave you are. Mm -hmm. um, With my social media, I'm very frank about everything. I don't hide much. Um, a lot of people sometimes don't get like deep brain stimulators, right. but <laughs> so I gotta be a little different. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think when classmates find my Instagram and they're like, oh, she actually goes through this and then people understand a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I've had uh, direct messages from people that were in my last high school whose younger sister uh, got diagnosed with epilepsy and she wanted to just like get a coffee date so she had somebody connect with. Um, also people that went through college already and they give me tips or uh, just a flurry of people. It's a process for sure. You know, the first year of diagnosis, we couldn't say the E word in the house, not within earshot. Yeah. And then we could say epilepsy, but we couldn't say it outside of the house. And we certainly could never say it at school. So mm -hmm. I think it was a good three, four years before mm -hmm. you got to that point of yeah. being um, sort of sick of hiding it. Well, and I think that that's an important piece to acknowledge too. I think that that level of acceptance can't be rushed. That has to be something yeah. that each individual person comes to on their own and yeah. um, and however long that takes and, and that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um, I like learned that you have a chronic disease at 13 years old. It's a lot to handle at first. And uh, the support of my friend group went away. And so I had to find this, these new people. And so uh, since I'm on the associates board, all of us are younger and a lot of us don't have controlled seizures. And so we connect with each other all the time because uh, I would have cluster seizures and this girl was like, can I bring you food? Can I bring you they movies? Yeah. They get it more, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. It is crazy though, how much it's still difficult to talk about epilepsy. I mean, there's all, on all these different levels, even as an adult in a, a profession, um, how much do you share? If you share too much, are they going to doubt your ability to handle the workload? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're taking care of you know, a child yeah. who has epilepsy, if you don't share anything, then how can you get the support you might need? I mean, it's, it's a tightrope, that yeah. is, that's yeah. for sure, and especially just with the, the general lack of understanding yeah. about the condition does not help matters in any way, shape, or form, but I just, I applaud both of you for being so open and public and, and just knowing that even with the, the 20 minutes that you've spent with us today, <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many families out there are going to um, find comfort and, and how many people you've helped with, with sharing your story with us today. So I thank you so, so much for being here, for chatting with me. Um, you're both amazing humans and I'm so pleased to have gotten to know you better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with Eva and Michelle. Eva's experiences show how imperative it is for us to end epilepsy stigma and grant students equal access to curriculums and opportunities both inside and outside the classroom. That is why in partnership with funding from Lundbeck, we offer education enrichment fund scholarships at CURE.
The fund offers one-time $5,000 scholarships to those living with epilepsy, as well as their family members and caregivers who plan to advance their personal knowledge in epilepsy research, health education, advocacy, and or awareness. Applications are open through April 15th. You can learn more and apply at cureepilepsy.org forward slash scholarship. Finally, don't forget to visit at Seizing Life Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Seizing Life Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.